Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Andrew Edstrom with Assessivate. Welcome. Hey, Lee. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about Assessivate. How are you serving folks? So we're a managed compliance services provider. So what we do is businesses that have a compliance requirement, uh, say in healthcare or the payment card industry or many other areas now, we help them achieve that compliance by making sure they're doing the right things, whether it's a, a control that manages governance around a policy or a, a control that is around a technical cyber solution. And that's where we really add value to businesses and help them achieve their goals. Now, are you working primarily with kind of startups that haven't done this before and then you're helping implement kind of the foundation or is it something that you get called in after something bad has happened? Yeah, it's a little bit of both, to be honest, Lee. We get get a lot of customers, like you said, they're kind of an entry point. They're trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing to make sure they don't uh, create, create a situation that causes them either a breach or a compliance issue. But then also we get even larger organizations that look to use us to augment um, what they're already trying to do. Um, you've probably heard of the staffing shortage around cybersecurity and things like that. And we kind of fit into that that picture as it stands today. So the industries you mentioned, fintech and healthcare, those are the obvious ones. Are that is that kind of the bulk of it? Or are there is this something that kind of every industry should be at least putting some energy towards? Yeah, I mean, really, everybody needs to do it. Um, Compliance really is kind of the guiding point to meet really your security concerns or maybe some operational maturity things that help you to achieve business goals. But yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody out there, whether you're running a a lawn care business or you're, you know, at a Fortune 100 company, you really need to be looking at what you're doing to protect information, whether it's intellectual property or personally identifiable information or other you know, critical stuff that could impact your business in a negative way. Now, there's kind of some rules of thumb of how much you should invest in different aspects of your business. Is it the same thing in your industry? Is there a certain rule of thumb that I should be investing in cybersecurity or privacy? Yeah, that's a really great question, Lee. Yeah, a lot of a lot of times people ask us what a magic number is. And I think the magic number really kind of depends on what data you're trying to protect and where you're at. So, you know, if you've if you've decided to set up your own data center, there's obviously a lot more cost around that or servers that you're going to buy and, and build. But if you if you go into a cloud environment, then the lift is a little bit less as far as cost goes, because then you just pay for a subscription service. So if you need that subscription service, say with AWS, Azure, or any cloud provider, you know, you can pay for a fraction of the cost, you know, maybe, you know, $50 a virtual machine a month, and then you do some additional hardening around it. But I would just say kind of as a rule of thumb, when when people look at their business, they need to really look at, you know, endpoint protection. Um, that, that cost is usually fairly insignificant, you know, somewhere between say five and $35 a user a month, depending on the level of support it gets. But, um, it's, uh, it, 
And that's a little bit of where we come into play also, too, is to make sure people are spending right money in the right things. There's a lot of shiny objects and gimmicks and stuff out there that really can, uh, you know, cause businesses to spend money unnecessarily. And so what we try to do is we try to help them uh, measure or understand what is the appropriate level of defense or infrastructure to protect that uh, investment that they've made around their, their product or service. Now, uh, how do you uh, typically engage with a new client? Uh, what's that typical point of entry? Yeah, so uh, a lot of times people want an assessment. So we'll do like typically like an assessment of their overall infrastructure um, against uh, security. And if they have a applicable framework around compliance like PCI or HIPAA, something like that, those are probably the two most common. Um, then we'll really do a, a measurement, if you will, against that and then help them to understand where they're at. Um, and that's kind of one of our our things is we, we try to act like GPS for, for their journey. And so we, we tell them where they're at and then we tell them how to get to where they're trying to go. Well, assess is in your name. So I would imagine yeah. a, a good yeah. assessment is part of your, your deliverable. It, it really is. It really is. So now um, it, with all this remote work, is that just opening up another can of worms that folks have to be dealing with nowadays? Um, having, you know, uh, people that work with your company all over the globe. Um, it, it's always been around for, you know, for certain people, but now it seems like more and more people are now remote. Does, uh, does that add more complexity to the challenge that you have to help with? It, it can, um, I, you know, every organization is a little bit different. So depending on company culture and then the investment that they're willing to make in their technology. So a lot of times technology departments or cybersecurity is looked at as a cost center instead of something that can help uh, project your business. Um, but yeah, the remote work um, definitely introduced some new concerns, you know, whether it's somebody that lives in your home that can walk by your computer and see information they shouldn't be seeing, or maybe they're using a home computer and sharing a login. Um, those are the things that really uh, started to, you know, show themselves. And then, you know, depending on what the, the investment was on the endpoint security, that was another part of it because most businesses aren't going to put their, the, the identical infrastructure they put around their corporate office and every employee's office that they're working from home. So a lot of times what they do there is they add some identity access management tools and some really robust endpoint protection security tools that really can control that access and mitigate some of that risk. And it's just, it's not their laptop only, right? It could be their phone as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when, when they have a remote office, they could actually have a, a phone device uh, in their, in their home. Um, they could have a soft phone on their computer. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, it does limit some of the other risks though, because uh, they may or may not have, you know, some additional things going on that they may have in the office. Like they may not be printing at home. They may, be, may not be allowed to print at home. And those would be some of the parameters that we would set out of the gate as we help secure them if they did remote work. Is there any kind of low hanging fruit for uh, somebody who wants to protect their identity or just shore up their security uh, if they are at home? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, as far as identity stuff goes, the, the main thing I tell people a lot of times is, you know, you know, don't make it easy on uh, somebody that's trying to get to your information. So specifically, when you come down to whether it's employee identities or just your personal identity, a couple of things that we always tell people is to, uh, you know, lock your credit 
if you're not actively using it. And what that means is you go to any one of the the big three um, and you can do it online. And actually, I believe you can do it over the phone as well. But you basically set through some knowledge base to access some some questions and things that will challenge people. So if they tried to, you know, establish credit on your behalf, your credit's already locked. And basically it can't go any further without them calling in and then be able to answer a bunch of questions that really only you should know. So it's as simple as that is just, do you have to contact all of the credit agencies or just one? Yeah, you, 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 you would reach out to each one of them and you would, uh, you would set it up. I believe there's some, some services that now that will actually do that kind of for you as a, as a top level. Um, but right now, um, what we've just told people is just go directly to, you know, each one of the big three, do the enrollment uh, and go ahead and freeze your credit so you can prevent identity theft from happening. It slows it down. And most of the time when it happens, they also have alerting. So, you know, when somebody's attempted to do it and it, and it definitely helps protect you. Now, what's your backstory? How'd you get involved in this line of work? So, um, I found out at a very young age that I was fascinated with computers and started taking classes back in high school. And I'm uh, I'm somebody that was born in the late 60s. So I've been around for a minute doing this from kind of the beginning um, when technology, there was mainframes, there was bulletin boards and dialing up and doing different things. And, and my career, my experience really... Um, started, uh, you know, like early on, I went into the military, they gave me access to computers there. Um, and then I just continued to evolve it. And I just found out I had a real knack for understanding how to fix those problems for people and, you know, doing help desk roles and then becoming a manager and doing some engineering and then running things and then becoming a CIO and a CISO. And then finally starting my own company, because I just felt like I could do it better if I was the one pulling the levers. And I think we are doing it better. Now, it seems like, uh, at least lately, uh, maybe this is the way it is all the time. It just seems like in the news, there's a lot of breaches and, and cybersecurity issues that are involving companies of all sizes. Is this something that's just getting worse and worse or the bad guys are getting better at this faster than the good guys can prevent it? Yeah, I think I think the old cliche line is you know, we have to get it right all the time and the hackers only have to get it right once to really steal from you. And then... I would also just say that, yeah, there's there's more technology today than there has ever been on this planet. So there's more avenues or mechanisms or ways to get into stuff. And um, and I think another part of that challenge, or I would just absolutely say that another part of that challenge is, you know, anybody with a credit card can go to AWS or Azure or whatever and start up a server and find somebody to develop an application. And a lot of us don't necessarily know the background of how that application or, or service came to be about. So you may have people that are completely oblivious to cybersecurity, but maybe they make a great product and those things then start to collect data and information. And once that stuff gets out there, then, you know, the hackers, um, they'll, they'll poke around and there's a lot of tools and websites that can uh, do the research for them, if you will, and tell them where there's open ports and, and places are uh, accessible. And then finally, I would just say that you know, once somebody gets hacked once, then it's almost like sales 101. You know, you start to farm the account. They try to, you know, get in there and, and steal more information or more data. And especially if somebody's paid a ransom, that usually becomes a, a bigger target 
long term for other hackers because I think uh, what you would find is the Intel and the dark web would definitely shine a light on, hey, you know, company XYZ, we got, you know, 50,000 from them. There's probably another opportunity here or they may have an advanced persistent threat still in that network, still stealing that data. So it some of the complexity is is there, but I would say more times than not, probably 90 to 95% of the time, um, it's misconfiguration, lack of visibility or, or monitoring of infrastructure that causes the breaches. Uh, typical phishing emails, training, uh, those things are always important, um, but most of these cyber attacks are preventable, and for whatever reason, um, they're still happening, and it, and it blows my mind. Now, something I've seen a little bit lately, or at least have come got to my attention, are VPNs. Is that can you explain that, and is that helpful? Yeah, so VPNs or virtual private network is just a basically a way to make your device be an extension of your corporate network. What that means is uh, that traffic becomes all encrypted over that VPN tunnel. Um, and there's some other technical configurations around that. They can do something called split tunneling, where everything doesn't go through the tunnel. Uh, but VPN is definitely a value-added technology, um, but the changes in technology are also allowing for some other technologies to come to light to, to eliminate the VPN stuff. The VPN stuff can be a little bit clunky and cumbersome uh, with installing of uh, additional clients and stuff. Um, there's some products out there now that use something called Zero Trust that also looks at like the health of your machine, make sure it has endpoint protection, like an antivirus or an anti-malware tool on it. Um, it checks your identity. And then maybe it also considers your geolocation of where you're coming from. So you could set maybe somebody could access it from their home. But if they went to Starbucks or a hotel, you could lock out that access to prevent, you know, possible bleed over into other devices, getting access to that tunnel and, and connecting to it. Now, what about like kind of back in the day, you know, everybody said, oh, put that, um, you know, the software on and you don't have to worry about it. Is that relevant today in today's world? You know, those um, protective softwares that you can buy kind of at every. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different classifications of it. And it's unfortunate that, that we seem to keep making it more complex and more difficult to figure out which solutions are right. Um, but when you get into some of the advanced uh, products, if you're looking for an endpoint protection product, I would always highly recommend that people look for something that um, specifically calls out defending against ransomware, maybe also has other detect features, tamper protection, uh, uh, advanced logging, advanced heuristics around it, the, what, how it scans and looks, how far down and deep it'll scan. And then the reputation of that vendor um, as far as like defending against uh, different cyber attacks or, and, and really when we, when we talk about that, really talking to industry professionals, word of mouth and finding out what really is working versus something's a little bit vague where, and I don't want to call out any specific brands, but, um, but that's kind of what we tell people. And, and then that's also where, you know, if they're, if they're using one set of products from one vendor for say firewalls and they have an endpoint protection product, there's usually some value to adding that same product, um, in that set so that we don't silo information that can be used in an event. If there's a, a breach or an incident that can help, uh, minimize the amount of time that a hacker can be in your system or uh, control it. A lot of them have now an isolation feature where if something 
uh, goes bad, you can uh, basically press a button and then that device can't get to anything. So you can lock it down and prevent it from infecting other computers. So what's that uh, thing that's happening right now in a prospective client's business where they should be contacting the folks at Assessivate? Yeah, um, I think uh, the main thing I would I would tell people is specifically if they have any kind of a compliance requirement like uh, HIPAA, PCI, or they're looking at uh, getting into uh, like maybe they're a technology or a software company and they're looking at getting uh, a SOC 2 attestation from the AICPA, um, which is a kind of a validation of uh, security, uh, availability, confidentiality, privacy, and integrity, integrity processing. Um, those things are things that are right in our, our wheelhouse where we can uh, just really jump into an organization and help them understand that. And that aligns with, you know, policy or procedure creation around acceptable use, information security policies, business continuity testing, uh, tabletop exercises. There's a whole realm of services that that help. And we usually start with some foundational ones and then continue to increase it as they increase their security posture. Good stuff. Well, um, it, this is stuff that you really have to stay on top of. Are some of these compliance um, uh, requirements, is that something that they have to do annually or is it something they do one time and check a box and then they're good? Yeah, so so compliance is a tricky thing. It's just like security. It's really kind of a never-ending thing. So once you jump into something, say if you go into a vertical like healthcare and you got to do HIP and you got to protect it, um, you're really under that uh, governance for the entirety of why your business is is touching patient records or EPHI. Um, but conversely, if you do like a SOC 2 uh, attestation, that's kind of a choice, right? That's just a business choice to improve something you're doing. But also, um, we're seeing a lot more vendor management requests where people are asking about the vendors they're doing business with to see if they have a SOC 2 letter or they're able to demonstrate through a questionnaire that they have the appropriate security things in place. Um, the SOC 2 is, a, is an, an option. Um, it's not a mandated thing, but it does give people an understanding of uh, people's culture and position on cybersecurity and, and what they're willing to do to make sure that they protect people's information. Well, if somebody wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, what's the website? What's that? Uh, what's the website in case somebody wants to learn more? Oh, yeah. It's sorry about that. It's uh, assessivate.com, A S S E S S I V A T E.com. And uh, please do call us and we'd be glad to help anybody. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Lee, for having us. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Atlanta Business Radio. 